Um, so this is our second week on, on parenting. Let's just pray together um, before we get started. Our Lord, we thank you that you are the supreme, loving, perfect parent. We ask that you would walk with us, that your hand would be upon us, that you would teach us uh, both how you parent us and how you want us to parent our children. And uh, help us to be honest and, um, and open to your word um, and let your word shape us. And, um, and Lord, we ask that you would keep us from error. You know that we love our children and we want the best for them. We want your goodness for them. And we ask uh, that you would lead us because you know that as, even as parents, we are sinners. And so we need your grace. And so would you use your word to shape us now. And uh, Lord, even as I speak, I pray that you would forgive my sins for you know that they are many. And, uh, and yet that you would take your perfect word and through me speak to your people. Uh, that you would shape them and feed them. And that you would open the eyes of the blind and, give, uh, and open the ears of the deaf. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So um, we are, this is the second week in a three-week series on parenting. And what, what this series is, what I mentioned last week, is this is a, a kind of an exercise in Christian worldview. And what I mean by that is that um, the, Christian, the way that Christians see the world is that the world, we're living in a giant story. And the Bible tells us the story. And the story, the story kind of has four acts to it. The first act is that God created the world and he made it good. The second act is that where the conflict comes in. Uh, humanity has fallen and humanity is alienated from God. The fall. The third act is uh, that God has come and redeemed the people to himself. He's gathered, reconciled the people to a family to himself, adopted children. And lastly, that God will, uh, in the end, make all things right in the world, wipe away every tear, and uh, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And so what the Bible tells us, we're living in a story, and that story actually shapes the way that we see everything. And so what we're doing is we're kind of going through each of these acts of the story, creation. Last week we talked about creation. And how does that part of the story shape how we do something as practical as raising children? And uh, we found out that it tells us that children are a blessing. The first truth about our children is not that they're little sinners, is that they're a blessing. They're a gift from God to us. And uh, they're made in the image of God. And so, and one of the biggest questions that our kids are asking us is, do I make you happy? Do I give you joy? And that's one of the big, the, the first thing we're doing as a parent is, yes, you make me happy. I love you. And once we have that, once we're, um, we're, we understand our children are, are a blessing, we're ready to move to the next act of the story, uh, which is the fall. Um, that, our, that says that our children and, and actually us, that we are, uh, we are all sinners. And by the way, um, I, I'm going to go through the sermon. If you, if you weren't here last week and you're kind of letting this shape your vision of parenting, it's important that you hear last week before you hear this week. There, you need the whole package, all right? So it's online. You can go listen to it if you need to. But the second act is the fall. And like I said, that every story has a conflict to it. You know, we're living, the world is, is, we're living in a world that is in conflict. That's very obvious to us, that there's all kinds of hurt and pain, that there are things aren't the way they're supposed to be in the world. And what Christians believe is that 
the evil, the brokenness in the world is not primarily something that's kind of out there. I mean, it's not societal structures. It's not um, the man or, or uh, governments or um, even those things can be evil. The man can be evil. Governments can be evil. But primarily, uh, the evil is inside every single one of us. That we're all sinners. And so when you get that little baby and they are so cute and they're making little noises and gigglies. And the fact that what the Bible says is that little cutie is in high rebellion against the God of the universe. <laughs> right from the start. That's the, the sobering truth is, uh, is that our children uh, are bent on rebellion against God. And, uh, you know, I've, I put for you a... Um, um, actually, I should say that I, I really believe that if, if, if you're not talking about this in kind of, um, you know, abstract theoretical world, but if you actually have a two-year-old or a three-year-old, this is not a controversial statement that, um, that children are uh, uh, greedy, manipulative, uh, violent, selfish liars. That's what they are, Okay. Spend a day with one, and you'll find out that's what, as soon as they can talk, as soon as they can talk, they will defy and, and uh, steal and hurt. That's what they do. As soon as, the first thing they can do. So it's not controversial. Um, but, um, um, but as much as our culture, our culture gives a very, paints a very different picture of children. It says that children, they're pure, they're innocent. You know, even you, the goal for your life is to get back in touch with your magical little child who's running around free and happy and just loving with an open heart. That's the goal for your life. The Bible gives a radically different picture. It's very, uh, and I printed one, one such text for you. This is from Psalm 51, David's kind of confession in the Psalms. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And there's, there's a lot of statements like this about our nature as humans throughout the Bible. Uh, you know, I was just reading in my own devotionals this week uh, in 1 Kings when uh, Solomon is uh, dedicating the temple. He builds the temple and he's praying for it. And there's this part where he says, you know, Lord, if, 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 the peop- if your people sins against you and your judgment comes upon them and th- things are going terrible for them and they cry out to you for help, you know, help them. And in the beginning of that prayer, he says, if, if your people sin against you, and then he has this little parenthesis, and he says, and no one, that there is no one who does not sin. This is something that they're going to do. This is something that they're absolutely going to do. This is something your children are going to do. And actually, you know, one of the most pointed places that it says this in scriptures in Ephesians 2, um, where it says that... Uh, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So, children of wrath, that's children of rebellion, you know, con- living, whose hearts are bent on living contrary to God's good intentions for the, for the world. Now, some of you might say, wow, children of wrath, that sounds a little harsh, I mean, how am I going to build my kid's self-esteem, you know, if I'm calling them a, children's ra- a ch- child of wrath, you know? Uh, I, that, that's not a very positive picture. I, I want to love my kids. I want to I care for them. I want to have a happy view of them. And, you know, I'll just tell you, though, that the honest truth is, though, if, you, if the truth was that your child had cancer, you wouldn't ignore that. You would, it would not be loving them to ignore that. You would do whatever you could to make sure that that cancer doesn't destroy your child. 
Isn't that true? And that's, what's, that's the truth for us as parents of the reality that we need to uh, see about um, our children is that it is not loving to them to think that they're just great and perfect and there's, nothing, there's no problem in them. We need to be honest about that. And so um, my intent in this sermon is, uh, is to show you that in order to raise your children biblically, you need to face the fact that both you and your children are far worse people than you ever dreamed <laughs> you or your children to be. And actually, when you face that, when you own up to that, you're actually opening your family up to the grace of God to work and for the gospel to shape your family and for your children to actually just become a joy and a blessing to you. When you face that reality that they're sinners. And, uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a great blessing to your children when you have that kind of honesty about them. And so what I want to do is I'm just going to take that, this in two parts. I'm going to uh, both, I'm going to first talk about the fact that our children are sinners. And then I'm, at the end, I'm going to also talk a little bit about uh, the fact that we're sinners as parents. That in, the fact that we believe that uh, impacts how we parent. And I'm going to spend less time on that, but that's a really a key and important piece because a lot of times when Christians are talking about raising your children, they only talk about the kid being a sinner. And how do you deal with the kid's sin? And they don't talk about the fact that the parents are just as much a sinner as the kid. Okay? So we're going to talk about both of those. So first, our children are sinners. Um, now, one of the things about sin is that it just does, it simply doesn't make sense. Okay? You, you, know, you look at the way God made the world. The planets are in orbit and everything's, you know, the trees are growing in this, their season. The birds are chirping and singing their song. Things are working the way they're supposed to. And what sin is, is sin is doing things that just don't make sense. It's out of line with God's order in creation. You know, just this week, uh, my daughter Ada put uh, shampoo all over my wife's toothbrush. And, that, you know, we told her, don't put the shampoo on the toothbrush. And, and when Shannon used the toothbrush and found out that there was shampoo all over it. She said, it doesn't make sense. Why, uh, you know, why, and we've told her, don't, don't dump shampoo and lotion over everything, and it keeps happening over and over again. It just doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this? Not what it's for. Shampoo doesn't go on the toothbrush. And uh, it doesn't make sense. And so what that means is that um, being a parent is, is very frustrating. It's tiring. Because it's unpredictable. Things are happening that don't make sense. They're not how you would plan them. If you say, oh, let's have a nice, orderly life together, it doesn't work that way. Um, and so parenting is very frustrating. And so what that means is that we, as we ask the question, how do I as a parent um, deal with my child's sinfulness? How do I deal with that? The question we need to ask is how does God deal with his children, us, in our sinfulness? How does God deal with this? And we've got to learn from him. So what I want to do is I want to point out three things, um, the way that God deals with us. The first is that God the Father, you know, God is a triune God. There's three persons, one God, Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father, how he deals with our sinfulness, he disciplines us. Second, God the Son, he's humiliated for us. I mean, that's an important one. I'm going to tell you what that means. And last, the Spirit convicts us of sin. Or the Spirit convicts us. So the Father disciplines us. The Son is humiliated for us. And the Spirit convicts us. So first, the Father disciplines us. And, um, you know, you see this in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, this is printed for you in the bulletin of the writer of Hebrews. Is 
is quoting Proverbs 3, and he says, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? But they discipline us for a short time as it seems best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So I just want you to hear something amazing about this passage is that God allows you to suffer pain in your life so that he can draw you closer to him. God allows you to suffer pain in your life because he loves you and because he wants to draw you closer to him. And, you know, the fact is that some of you, God has put you through some painful trials in your life. And he's actually used them to shape you and to train you and to uh, make you more like Jesus. He's done that. God has allowed you to suffer, to feel pain. And it's because he loves you. That's an amazing and surprising reality. And, uh, and so what that means for us as parents is that if we're going to be parents like God, is that we're going to bring actually painful consequences into our child's life to train them, to actually draw them closer to us and to train them in godliness, okay? Now, um, you know, there are a lot of ways that you can kind of create discomfort in your child's life. There are many ways of, of uh, you know, giving them consequences and dis- disciplines and, you know, timeouts and taking away privileges. And these are all, you know, in parenting, you're, you're using whatever resource you have at your disposal. Um, but the Bible actually doesn't give us a lot of, info about parenting, but it does tell us concretely one practical method, and, and I think it's important that you hear this. This, uh, this is from Proverbs 23. This is printed in your bulletin. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. The Bible says that the primary means of disciplining a child is actually a physical consequence. Uh, you know, it describes it as a rod or a, or a spanking. We, we, in our family, we could just call it a discipline. And um, I know that for some of you, that might be very alarming to hear of, uh, you know, a physical consequence for a little child. And I know that um, it's uh, a broad view in our culture that if you uh, physically discipline a child, you're actually doing child abuse. And um, I'll, I'll just tell you that you can do that. That that, in some ways, that opinion in our culture is warranted. I mean, there are uh, parents who have been deeply violent to their children. Uh, they have not loved them. They just take out their anger and their and their um, bitterness and and frustration on their children. And you know, I, I know that for some of you, that's happened to you. That you've grown up in a home where maybe you had a father or or a mother who was harsh with you. Um, that did not do what we talked about last week of, of letting you know that you make them happy, that you're a joy to them. And so this might sound very alarming to say that, uh, that the Bible uh, wants that. That's not what the Bible wants. 
This is not what I'm endorsing at all. Um, but the Bible does say that a physical consequence uh, is the method it gives us. And I want to tell you one reason, because, you know, that might sound kind of barbaric to you, might very medieval, you know, like corporal punishment. But let me just tell you, what, what we believe as Christians is that humans, a child is a soul-body union. A child is a soul and a body together. And so that in the same way that, in that your body and your soul are deeply connected, they're intertwined with one another. And so that in the same way that loving a child, you know, you, can't, you don't just love a child by telling them you love them. You've got to pick them up. You hug them. You're wrestling on the floor with them. You're taking their face and you press it against your face. And that physical touch gets into their soul. It's because their body and their soul are connected closely together. And so if you want your love to get into your soul, get into their soul, it's got to go through the body. And what the Bible says is that it's the same as true for discipline. If you want to shape your child's uh, heart and correct your child's heart, it comes uh, through a, a physical consequence. Okay? And... Um, and so Proverbs 22, this, this isn't in your bulletin, 15 says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And um, Ted Tripp wrote a book called uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart. I, I think it's a very good book. Um, there's actually a couple copies out there if you want to uh, purchase one of those. Um, I think it's a really helpful book on parenting. We're going to have some more copies next week, uh, likely. Um, but he defines the rod this way, and I think this is helpful. The rod is a parent in faith toward God and faithfulness toward his, his or her children, undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. So what he says is that it's careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God. And, you know, Tripp, actually, along with this defini- definition, he gives, um, you know, I'm spending a lot of time on this because it's, uh, it's, I know it's a delicate issue, so I, I want to be careful with it. Um, and Tripp gives five helpful descriptions of what physical punishment is not or physical discipline on a child, you know, a rod or a spanking, what it's not. And so I want you to hear, I think these are helpful. First of all, um, disciplining your children is not the right to unbridled temper. So uh, he uses that language of careful, timely, measured, controlled. You, it gives you no freedom as a parent to just uh, fly off the handle in a temper and, and take your anger out on your child out, out of control and not really controlling what you're doing. You are loving a child and training them and directing them, okay? Uh, second, uh, discipline is not the right to hit our children whenever we wish, okay? Um, this is The purpose of discipline is to train them and love them and teach them. It's not to bully them. It's not to intimidate them. Okay, so you don't get that right as a parent. Discipline, third, discipline is not for venting frustration. I'll tell you, this is an important one because as a parent, there is frustration that builds up inside of you. you it, the child's not doing what you want them to, and uh, there's a, an intensity that builds up. And you could feel that giving them discipline or, or a consequence is a sense of relief. It's like a release valve for that. It is not that. And if you use discipline that way, uh, that is absolutely wicked uh, in God's eyes. You're not free to do that. It is for, because you love them and because you're training them. 
Uh, Discipline is not for retribution. You're not paying your child back for what they did wrong. We as Christians are called to forgive people. That includes our children. If they wrong us, they're going to do all kinds of things wrong to us. Our obligation is to forgive them and to not hold it against them. The only reason we're disciplining them is purely because we love them and we want to teach them God's ways and to to not let the foolishness and the sin in their heart destroy them. And lastly, he says that discipline should not be associated with vindictive anger. And, you know, I'll I'll just, I'll tell you honestly, as as a parent, I know that I've disciplined my children in anger. And uh, it's something that I've, confess to them it's uh it's something that i wish i've never i have never done that and um and i that's i'm a sinner and it's scary that god entrusts the authority of a parent to a sinner like uh, to sinners like us but i'll tell you one of the things that i've thought um is that you know oh then the bible there's such a thing as righteous anger you know god gets angry right so why can't i as a parent get angry and uh and discipline my children well, a good test of that is when you're angry, whose honor are you defending? Is it because your honor, because your, your child disrespected you and you're trying to maintain your honor, or is it because the child disrespected God, and is it God's honor you're, you're defending? And if you're trying to defend your own honor, that is, not, that is unrighteous anger. It is only in defending God's honor that um, that, that is righteous anger. So I, I'm spending time on this because I want to I make this clear. Um, that God has entrusted us as parents with authority. We're a lot bigger than children. We have a lot of power over them. And we have to be very careful how we're using it. So I want to tell you what I'm not saying, first of all. Second, so what, what is discipline? What does the Bible say it does look like to discipline a child? And... Um, you know, I know that when I was first having kids, uh, you know, I wanted some really practical uh, instruction on biblical discipline. So let me just paint kind of a general picture for you. If you need more details, you can come back uh, tonight. But first of all, discipline uh, must be uh, done diligently or, or consistently. Uh, you see that in your, in your bulletin, Proverbs thirteen twenty four. This is a verse that I think as a parent should be really ringing in us over and over again. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, Disciplining children is is hard work, and it's very constant. You know, if you were here last week, we had a little discussion on uh, Sunday evening about disciplining children. And uh, my wife, Shannon, was made this comment that I thought was really helpful. She's saying, you know, we shouldn't be surprised when our kids sin against us and they disobey us or they lie to us or they hit us in the face. You know, it's like they're sinners. We know that. So we're expecting that. It shouldn't derail us that they do that. We're expecting that. And she says, you know, parenting is you love the kids and then they disobey you and then you discipline them and then you hug them and you love them and you forgive them and then you play with them and then they disobey, then they uh you know, they sin again, and then you discipline them again, and then, and it's just this kind of day-to-day routine. It's not this, uh, uh, um, there's a, a very regular, methodical training about it. And, you know, um, uh, I, I do think that one of the main reasons that physical discipline doesn't work for a lot of parents is because they do it inconsistently. You know, it's only in, you know, when a kid runs out in the street and 
You're like, no, you're not supposed to run out on the street, and so you give them a spanking for, for running out on the street. Actually, running out on the street isn't really even a sin. I mean, it's, it's, they just don't know what it's like, you know, what happens if a car runs them over. And so, you know, they need to learn that, but that's not even really real sin. I mean, the things are when a child says to a parent, a parent asks a child to do something, and the child says no, or just looks at them and says, I don't, I'm not going to do what you tell, tell me. That's defiance. That's sin. When you ask a child, hey, it's time to leave, and they fall on the ground, and they're kicking and screaming and, and throwing a fit, that's sin. And that kind of stuff is going to happen every day, all the time. If you're a parent, just, you know, get you, you know, that's what Shannon's saying. Let's just get used to it. Let's not be surprised by it. And just and address it over and over again. That's what being diligent to discipline your children is. And I'll tell you, you know, I remember before I was a parent, I was hearing a pastor talk about... Um, uh, parenting and this is what I thought being diligent to discipline your children was was kind of nipping it in the bud when it comes up you know when your child does disobeys you got to nip it in the bud right there and he was talking about how when his child was maybe three or something he was having him sit in church and they were throwing a fit in church and he said so you know I took him out of church and I gave him a, a weapon or whatever and they never did that again you know and everyone's like that showed him, and I'm just, I, this is before I had kids, I was like, yeah, that's gonna, parenting's going to be snap, you know, nip it in the bud, right, diligence is this one, that's never happened to me once, uh, that I just nipped it in the bud, and end of story, okay, uh, that's not what being diligent is, being diligent is being consistent, and staying on it, and it's hard work, it's tiring, it's frustrating, but you do it by faith, okay, so second, so it requires diligence, second, uh, discipline should always be done privately. And, uh, you know, I remember Shannon and I were at, at a church a while back, and we were in the cry room with a gal, and her, she had her little kid that wasn't doing what she wanted, and she's just like, you little brat, and just whap, whap, and we're just like, uh, please, please don't do that in front of, you know, that's not working, you know, and uh, this kind of public just whapping, there's no conversation, there's no structure, there's no intention, uh, that's not what discipline is. Discipline is always between the parent, the child, and God. It should be done privately, and especially to respect the child. And what that means is that oftentimes as a parent, you may be shopping, doing the groceries, and your child's not doing what you want them to, and you can't find some way to kind of guide them. Some, I mean, we've had times we had to leave the store and just leave our groceries in the cart and go home and deal with it and because in order to be consistent and to be private. And... That's part of the work of parenting. It's a lot of work, but you're blessing your children if you do it, if you commit yourself to that work. Okay, so it's, uh, second, it's private. Next, discipline should always be measured. That means if you're going to uh, discipline a child, um, you yourself should be controlled. You bring them in, into a private place, and it should be in the context of a conversation. You know, I've had friends tell me that they grew up... Uh, getting spanked, and they had no idea what they were getting spanked for. They're just, parent would just come in the room and, oh, you little brat. And it's like, I don't even know what happened. I, I'm not, there's this kind of, uh, it's not a conversation. It should be measured. Um, you should always tell your kid, uh, they should make very clear what they've done wrong, and the, the consequence should always match the crime. So you should tell them, this is what I'm, if I'm going to uh, give you a whap, this is what, how many whaps you're going to have. And it, they should have a sense of, that's fair. There's a sense of justice in this home, that this is just how you're dealing with me, okay? Um, lastly, I think that discipline should always end with love. 
You know, I'm always asking my kids, if I'm disciplining them, why do I discipline you? You know, I just asked Ada, my two-year-old, yesterday, why do I discipline you? Because you love me. You know, because I love her. I, I love you. And, and she knows that. And uh, you should always be telling them that. And they should know that this is for your good. And it's because I'm not going to let sin take you over. And it's because I, I, I'm devoted to you. The discipline builds relationships. And actually, I, I, a good indication that you're ending with love in that kind of discipline setting is, um, is that you should find some way to laugh together. Um, you know, I'll go through this. I'll hug my kids. I'll assure them that I love them. I'll assure them that they're forgiven. I'll pray with them. And then, you know, we'll be in our bedroom, and I'll, I'll stand up, and I'll hold them in my arms, and then I say, Timber! And I kind of fall back on the bed, and they're laughing. They're like, yeah, you know, Timber, do Timber. You know, it's like the discipline's over. It's forgotten. Let's do Timber. And, you know, and that's how it is. It's quick, and the relationship is restored. And that's the goal of discipline is relationship. Is it doesn't drive your kid away. I mean, that's one thing, uh, you know, in terms of a timeout. A timeout is a sending away of your kid. It's not, you're not together. If you're disciplining your, your child the way the Bible says to you, your relationship is together and you're close. You're talking to one another. It's conversation. And you even see that. I, I think this is printed in your bulletin. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. That's the goal of discipline is that our children would be a blessing to us, that we would be with them, that we would love them, that we would know them. And, uh, and th- it's countercultural. It's not what we'd expect. It's against our intuition. But I'll just tell you as a parent, we've seen a tremendous amount of fruit from it. So um, I, I, I just tell you that. Okay. So first, that's the biggest section I'm going to spend on is that the, how does God deal with us in our sinfulness? God the Father disciplines us. God brings pain into our lives that actually shapes us. And we do that for our children also. Second, um, God the Son is humiliated for us. And, uh, you know, the gospel tells us that for God to deal with our sin, Jesus came, he was spit on, he was uh, punched in the face, he was mocked, he was crucified naked before public. I mean, it was just a huge humiliating experience for God to deal with our sin. For God to step into our sin and not reject us, but to deal with our sin. And I'll tell you that I think parenting is humiliating. Um, let me give you a couple <laughs> illustrations of that. Um, when we lived in St. Louis, uh, my daughter Lucy was maybe three, just turned three. And I think it was Memorial Day in St. Louis. The spring in St. Louis is very beautiful. It's probably 80 degrees out. And in St. Louis, there's a park called Forest Park, which is uh, this big urban park, and they have a uh, zoo in it that's free, so you can just go there for free. They have museums that were free. This was Memorial Day. Kids are out of school, and we went to this zoo, and I mean, it's just packed. Uh, everyone in St. Louis who has kids is at this zoo, and we've been walking for a while, and it's getting to be, if you're a parent, you know what, 1.30 for a three-year-old is, we're getting to nap time, and we're on the opposite side of the zoo from our car, and we're feeling that sense of Lucy's going to lose it any minute. And all of a sudden, the question comes, Daddy, can I have some cotton candy? And I'm looking at her, and I know that as soon as I say no, she's going to be on the floor screaming and kicking. And there's just hundreds of people around. And I, so I, I go for it. No, you can't. There she is, kicking, screaming. I'm trying to talk to her. Lucy, settle, look at me. Look at me in the eyes. Let's control it. 
and she's not controlling it. So I pick her up, and I walk through the zoo. And I think the way I went, it was just against the flow of traffic. But, I mean, literally thousands of people, and I'm walking through them. I'm sure there were other seminary. I was in seminary. Other seminary families probably saw me. And she's screaming at the top of her lungs, you're hurting me! You're hurting me! And I think everyone probably thinks I'm kidnapping her. And, and I mean, everyone's staring at me. And I'm just walking through. And in order to face her sin and to deal with it, I have to bear this public humiliation. I got, you just got to take it. You know, and I, I remember, actually, this, we were down at Larrabee. This was several years ago. And one of my kids, I don't know who it was, I was there, and there were all these moms with their kids, and it was, they were having play dates or something at, the, at this playground. And it was 12 o'clock or something. All the moms just simultaneously went onto the little hillside right next to the playground to, you know, eat their little apple wedges, and they had the lunches made, and I didn't have any. I didn't bring lunch for them. I, I didn't know to do that. So um, my kids are hungry and tired, and they're all, the kids are eating there, just sitting with their moms, and... I'm, we're the only ones on the playground. And whoever the kid was was up on the, up on the top of the playground. I'm like, okay, it's time to go now. And they're like, no, laughing at me. And so I'm chasing them through the playground, trying to get through the tunnels that I don't fit through. And get back here. Seriously, it's time to go. And all the moms are just staring. I'm the show for them <laughs> while they're eating lunch. I'm the, the entertainment me chasing my child, and, and the more I'm getting stuck in the tunnels, the, the kid's laughing harder and harder and just loves that I can't catch him. And that's what it is, humiliation. And I'll tell you, if you're not willing as a parent to be humiliated, that will be a problem. Because on the one hand, you're gonna, when your child's sin comes up, you're going to try to appease them. And you're going to say, oh, don't throw a fit. I don't, don't embarrass me, so I'll give you whatever you want. And you're not addressing the sin in their heart. Or, on the other hand, you're not going to want to be humiliated, and you're going to shame your child and say, how dare you disobey me in public? How dare you make me look bad? And so that the reason they should obey is so that you look good. You're either going to appease them or shame them. But what the gospel tells us, what, what Jesus shows us, is that if you want to address your child's sin, you need to be willing to be humiliated. And I'll tell you, you know, this is a big thing. We're in a church, right? Uh, <laughs> Lots of kids, we're all raising our kids before each other's eyes. And let's just, can we just accept our kids are going to disobey and they're going to do things we don't like in front of one another. We're going to be talking to each other. They're going to interrupt our conversations. And we're going to have to stop our conversations to go address our kids. And, and you know what? I mean, and to some degree, that's always going to be uncomfortable. But let's just have a culture in our church of acceptance. That's what we're doing. That's what parenting is involved. It's not... Our kids are not sinners. Our kids are sinners. We expect that. Okay? So third, so second, the son uh, says that uh, the son was humiliated for us. That's how God deals with our sin. The last thing is that the spirit convicts us of sin. And uh, I'll tell you that one of the reasons why I think it's important to be diligent to discipline your children, whatever uh, sin comes up, you know, uh, disobeying you or, uh, or being defiant to address it, is that in the discipline context, that is where I've talked to my kids about the gospel far more than any context, is in the, in the context of discipline. And uh, because the rod kind of awakens in children a sense, it alerts them to the fact that they're, that they're sinful. And um, I'm, I'm not going to say everything on this, except I do want to say, 
It's important, when, I, I think a helpful thing, if you're a parent and you're trying to tell your kids about sin, it's helpful to not talk about sins. Do not tell your children that their problem is that that was a sin you did. Because if you say that their problem are sins, then what you're saying is that they have a behavior problem and what they need to do is change their behavior. But if you talk to your children about sin, why did you just hit your mom in the face? Why did you, uh, um, you know, why did you just tackle your brother? Why did you just lie to me? Where is that coming from? You teach them that it's sin. Not sins. Sins are behavior. Sin is a state of their heart. And when you're disciplining them, and on a, every time you're saying the problem is you have a heart, and it's just lies are just coming out of your heart. You know, defiance, they just come out of you. You love your mom. Why did you disobey her? I don't know. It's because you have sin in your heart. And when you focus on sin and not sins, then the answer is, how do you change your heart? You go to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can change your heart. And Jesus died for your sin to wash your heart. And he's given you the Holy Spirit. And you just trust in him and he will wash you. Because I'll tell you what, if you talk to them about you need to obey, God says not to do that, and you're sinning, you're going to make little Pharisees who, do, who know the right things to do. And they think being a Christian is about doing right things. But if you talk to them about sin, you're going to be pointing them to Jesus all the time and saying, trust in Jesus. He's the only one who can change your heart. Okay? So I have more to say on that, but I, I, need, to, I need to move on. Um, so dealing with the sinfulness of our children is complex. But part of the thing that makes it also complex is not just that our children are sinners, but also that we're sinners. That's an important thing as a parent to internalize is that I'm bringing sin into this family, not just the child, okay? And so I want to just briefly say three habits that I think are essential to a parent who is taking on the task of disciplining children. Three habits. They must examine themselves, they must confess their sin, and they must repent, okay? First, a parent needs to constantly be examining themselves. uh, themselves. Parents need to be examining themselves. Um... If, especially if you're going to be uh, disciplining your children with a rod, like, or, you know, physically a spanking or something like that. I hear these, I, this is printed for you in the bulletin. Hear these, these two verses. These verses should haunt you. These verses should make you tremble as a parent. Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 6, 4a, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Um, We should be constantly asking ourselves, am I being too harsh on my kids? Am I training them? Am I correcting them? Am I doing this in love or is it because I'm frustrated with them? We should constantly be examining ourselves and asking ourselves these verses, am I provoking, am I discouraging my children? Am I being too hard on them? Am I laughing with them? Is this all in a context of love? And so what that means is equally as much as we need to be diligent to discipline our children, we need to be equally as diligent to examine ourselves and find out are we discouraging them? Are we being harsh? Are we doing this the way God wants us to? Okay? So we need to examine ourselves. Second, you must confess your sin to your children. Um, You know, I'll tell you that I'm a pretty laid-back kind of person. I'm, you know... Most people, they meet me at first, you know, this nice person. I, 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 don't, I, I didn't think I had a temper. I didn't think 
uh, I had anger problems, or I thought I was very patient. You know, I'm a pastor. I listen to people. Tell me about what's going on. And then I became a parent, and that all changed. <laughs> I have a very different view of myself. And all kinds of things that I didn't know were in me of anger and impatience and uh, frustration and uh, um, laziness, selfishness, all those things came out when I was a parent. It, it, one of the most important ways as a parent to model to your children your Christian faith is to confess your sin to them. And that means you cannot make excuses. You can't say, oh, you were really frustrating. I'm sorry that I blew up, but you were really frustrating. You weren't doing what I wanted. That's not a confession. A confession says what I did was wrong. I wish if I could go back, I, would do, I would, wouldn't do it. I wish I hadn't done that. That was wrong, and I, and, uh, I need you to forgive me. And I'll tell you one of the most beautiful places where God will show you the grace of the gospel in your life is when your child forgives you and assures you that they love you. Even though, even despite your sin, it's very powerful. And you'll be thanking God uh, for that grace that they'll speak to you. That only comes if you're willing to confess your sin and showing them that we're not, you're showing them that our faith is not about being a good person. It's about that we're saved by grace, that we're sinners saved by grace. You're displaying that for them. And so I got one last thing to say is that another habit is not just examining and confession, but also repentance. Now, this is very important because um, in most abuse settings, um, the abuser will always come back and say, I'm so sorry, I wish I hadn't done that, right? And it's a constantly coming back, take me back. I'm sorry I did that. I, I had someone in my life when I was young, uh, a friend who was very cruel to me, and he always came back very nice and gentle. Oh, I'm so sorry. What's the difference between that and confess, confession? Like me as a parent that I'm going to sin against my kids all the time. What's the difference? The difference is that we have a hunger for righteousness, and so when we see sin in our life, we don't just uh, uh, we don't just let it go, but we we confess our sin and we're, we um, are abhorred at the fact that we have dishonored God. And so um, repentance means that we have a deep and, and real hunger after righteousness as parents. So that's a big calling that we examine ourselves. And uh, and I know this is a lot to digest. I wanted to uh, uh, give you a kind of full picture. Um, but there's a lot of grace. Let me just end with this by saying that there's a tremendous amount of grace for humble parents who are willing to examine themselves, confess their sins, and to repent. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you for your word and for the uh, things uh, that you are teaching us. I pray for the parents here. I pray that you would teach us how to deal with sin and that we would learn it from you and that your hand would be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.